Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 148, and tonight we're going to take a look at the brand new movie, The Invitation. Don't worry, it's spoiler free, but I'm telling you this right now, it's going to teach you never, ever, ever go to a dinner party that's not hosted by gays. But it didn't take a lot of time, so you're getting a bonus movie. Yes, I'm going to be talking about last year's 80s flashback slasher, Lost After Dark. And we're going to get to the craziness right after I figure out what the fuck I'm doing. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here are your hosts, Derek M. Cook and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the Head of Rondo Hatton. Only on... Monster Kid Radio! Hello again, everyone. It's wonderful to be here with you all up in your ear holes once again. And for those of you who are new, hi, I'm Patrick. I'm your host, and I'm going to be your guide through the world of horror as seen through my very gay little eyes. But first, since this is an episode without any guests, I'm going to take some of this extra time to talk about me! and the never-ending sitcom that is my life. For those of you that are now, we're going to get this shitty stuff out of the way first. I'm still sick. There's still something wrong with me gastroenteronomically. Yeah, I was sick all of February, but now some other weird symptoms are happening, and I've been going to doctor to doctor to doctor, and I'm getting all kinds of tests done, and nobody's finding anything. Like, all the really, really bad stuff has been ruled out, but they still can't tell me what's wrong. So this is fun. So this is where I am right now, running around, doing test after test, and I want to give a special thank you to the glorious Ann Bobby, you know, from Nightbreed and from the Bioshock games and from the Hanover House and from the world of Broadway and the world of Cabaret, because she made me go see her chiropractor yesterday, and he was just a chiropractor. He's like, I'm not just a chiropractor, I'm also a martial artist, so he incorporated all this Eastern stuff, and it was like a three-hour appointment, and it was, it was good, I feel good today, so thank you, Ann Bobby. And Smoochie's here. She's right here next to me as Smoochie is sleeping on the laptop that I'm recording on right now because, as you all know, cats love podcasting. And Smoochie is no exception. Now, even though she has been a complete nightmare lately, Miss Thing has been keeping me up all night, every night. 
don't know what's going on. The past week, as soon as I get into bed, after five minutes or so, she starts this business. Mm. Mm. She does this little grunt thing. And, you know, she's 25 pounds, so it's really loud. Mm. Mm. I'm not doing it properly. It's like this modified Marge Simpson thing. But shorter. That's more like it. It's kind of like the intro to, oh, hell no. And then she'll start meowing. And again, she's got a diaphragm like Ethel Merman, so the windows are shaking. And then she starts hissing and snarling and growling. So I don't know what Miss Thing is trying to tell me. So we're not on the best of terms. 24 hours a day, but right now she's being super sweet and she's letting me rub her belly as I try to manipulate the keyboard around her big fat ass. So, what's been going on here at Scream Queen's headquarters? Well, I'll tell you. First of all, if you're in the Denver, Colorado area, I'm going to be out there for the first week of July. I've been selected to go to Gala once again, and Gala is kind of like the Olympics of gay choruses. Choruses from all over the world come together and we perform for each other, and it's this whole big love in and love out, and, and it's just a wonderful thing. But uh, we're not doing, we're only doing one show there that's a half an hour, and we're not doing the big gay sing, so I'll actually have free time this time, so we'll be able to hang out if you let me know that you're around and that you want to do that. Because, of course, you want to do that because I'm awesome. Right, And you're awesome, and we should be awesome together. Now, if you're following on the Facebook pages or on Twitter, I posted something earlier this week about something I was doing for the Gay Men's Chorus, the New York City Gay Men's Chorus that I sing with, and I shouldn't have posted it. Apparently, I was not supposed to reveal that there is this kind of, well, you know, corporate thing going on, but I did, so... Forget I ever said anything. It totally didn't happen. I totally didn't go to the Demena studio on Thursday night and record something for them. I didn't make a video for them at all. But if I did, I might have been singing Hold My Hand. Standing in a crowded room and I can't see your face. Oh, uh, 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 uh. By, I don't even know who sings it. I don't really give a shit. But he, <laughs> the thing is, we were doing it all. We're singing it. We sang it in our last chorus concert, and we're doing it here, and we sound great. It's select members, so it's really tight, and it's a great sound studio that we're in, and the cameras are rolling, and we're doing the choreography, and it's great, and we hit the final pose on this take, and this take was perfect, and we're holding, and it's silent, and I farted. And I know damn well that those boom mics can pick up a mouse fart from 500 feet and this was a people fart and even though it was it wasn't like a kind of a fart it was a pop fart just a and that but you know everybody knows what it was and i'm sure my face registered that you know i just can't you know i just can't anymore it's terrible it's embarrassing and i hope that when this corporation shows the video that the fart is still in there and you can see it on my face because that's what i think of corporate america Okay, okay. Speaking of farts, Dan Dominguez, friend of show Dan Dominguez, and host of the Hot Date podcast, which if you're not listening to, you should go check out. Uh, they, him and his host Vicky, they pick a random date off the top of their heads and then talk about what was a really popular movie around 
that date. And they do a great job, and Dan is super suave and everything, but he's doing a show here in New York, and I went to see it last night. It's called Locusts Have No King, and it was amazing. It was amazing because it started, and it's kind of like, it was like uh, Terrence McNally gay dinner party comedy, but then it just all completely unraveled and turned into a really scary, nightmare, supernatural thing. And it was the coolest thing to see. And Dan was great, as he always is. But here's the thing. The show opened. Like, it's this really intimate space. And it's like you're in a room. But, like, the chair – you know, it's not like in a theater theater. You know, like, the chairs are, like, right there. Like, I'm right in the room with them. And the lights go down. And then the lights come up. And there are two men having really graphic oral sex. Like, right next to me. Like, right next to me. And from where I was sitting, I could see the guy who was receiving his face, but not the guy who was giving. I just saw the top of their head, and I'm thinking, oh, God, don't let that be Dan Dominguez. This is going to be really awkward after the show. I'll be like, you were so good. You had so much enthusiasm, so much energy. And then after a while, I'm thinking, I kind of really wanted to be Dan Dominguez giving the blowjob right now, but it went on for, like, what felt like 12 minutes, and it was, but it was amazing. But that's, that's not the point right now. But what did you have to do with fart? Well, I'll tell you. There was a certain part of the show where Dan's alone on stage and he's smoking a little pot. And all of a sudden, there was this sound like, I'm like, oh, my God, Dan just farted on stage. And I was so happy. It made me feel better about myself, about what happened at the shooting the other night. You know, the, the videotaping that never happened, that one? Yeah, uh-huh. But he didn't. It was a sound cue. It was a sound effect cue. Not a sound cue of farting, but something. Forget it. You don't really need to know, but it didn't happen. Dan Dominguez did not fart on stage. And when I told him afterwards, he said, oh, my God, that's my worst nightmare. And I totally get that. I totally get that. You know, normally the body takes care of itself when you're on stage. Adrenaline takes over and certain body processes shut down. But you never know. You never know. I used to work with a woman who was notorious for peeing on stage when she got upset. And yeah, so that's fun, especially when you're doing a show on a raked stage, so it's angled, so and it's angled towards the audience, so she'll pee and it just coming right at you. No, no, no. I'm all about participatory theater, but not with your urine, Debbie Starker. Yeah, I just said your name. Are you listening, Debbie Starker? Deny it. Deny it. And speaking of theater, I got to see a show on Broadway, and I know you're really bored right now, but this is important. It's called Disaster the Musical, and it is directed by Jack Plotnick. You know Jack Plotnick, even if you think you don't know Jack Plotnick, because Jack Plotnick is one of these chameleon-like actors who is in everything. Brilliant, brilliant comedic actor. You'll know him from Girls Will Be Girls. He was the teacher in First Period. He was the mayor's assistant that... Faith Stabbed on Buffy Season 3. He was the voice of Xander on uh, Drawn Together. He's everywhere, and he directed this show, and it's so much fun because it spoofs every fucking disaster movie from the 70s, takes it, takes all of them, and mashes them together into this one amazing story about the world's first and largest floating discotheque and the disasters that's, that's set upon them on opening night. And it's all set to 70s music. Now, Seth Rudesky, who actually might have directed, I don't know what Jack did. Jack had something to do with it. I know he directed them one off Broadway. Forget, you know, I, you know, I cut this part out. Seth Rudesky, who's involved with it, he's like, I hate jukebox musicals. So I'm doing a jukebox musical for people who hate jukebox musicals. And they did it. And it was so cool because I'm like, they got everything in here because this floating discotheque is subject to an earthquake. 
a tidal wave, which then flips it over in the middle of the Hudson River, where they're attacked by sharks. Okay, in the Hudson River, why not? There's piranha. There's 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 giant rats. There's a fire. I mean, it's got everything. The disco becomes a towering inferno. It's everything. All it needed was killer bees and some kind of weird flu outbreak, and it would have had literally everything plus disco. And classic rock. Like, all the songs that you wanted to forget, they're all here. Songs you love, songs you hate, they're all here. And it's fabulous. And after the show, I was talking to Jack Plotnick. Yeah, because I like totally am friends with Jack Plotnick. No, I'm, I'm really not. I took a class with him once, an on-camera class. But let's just say I'm like, totally best friends with him. And I'm talking to him. He's like, Patrick, what do you think of this show? And I said, Jack, I'm very impressed because it takes a lot of incredible skill to be that smart about being that stupid. It's stupid and smart at the same time, and it's so funny, and oh, I got there early, you know, because I do, and you know, I'm like that, I'm all punctual and shit, and they're playing 70s music beforehand, and they're playing Le Freak by Chic. And as you know, some of you who've been listening for a long time, there was a whole incident that happened in Wendy's, that's always playing classic disco for some reason and they're playing in there and I was singing along and didn't realize I was singing along and then I realized the woman across from me was singing along as well we had this moment and we just got down with ourselves get on down to the 54 out on the floor aww freak out and it was amazing and the same thing happened here because I was sitting next to some older queens some more mature queens and we had a lyric off and I trounced them I left them in the dust which I guess means I'm older than they are. But here's the thing. The show's closing. I'm really sad. It didn't do well. It was too quirky for Broadway. It was off-Broadway and a huge hit. And they brought it here. So now they got Broadway-caliber talent and special effects because, man, the body count is massive. Massive. And But now you got the voices singing this shitty disco and classic 70s music. And it, it's amazing. It's closing in July. And if you're in New York and you don't go see it, I will personally kick your ass. And it's closing and it's all your fault. You've blown it all sky high. It's telling me a lie that you were going to go see it and then you did. And I'm only going to talk about this a little bit more because there's a thing that happens on Thursday nights called Broadway Sessions. And there's a different Broadway show Every night that's featured, they bring in the cast, and it's this informal thing hosted by Ben D, who used to be in Wicked, and you don't care. But basically, they get to sing and be goofy, and they get taken off guard, and you get to see them with their hair down and drunk, which is fun. You get to interact, and it's great. But it led to another one of my awkward celebrity urinal incidents. Multiple Tony Award nominee Kevin Chamberlain and I had an awkward urinal moment at the West Bank Cafe. Now, the thing with the West Bank Cafe, when you go into their men's room, it's so classy and so artsy that you can't really tell the sinks from the urinal. You're like, wow, they're so fancy. I'm not sure which one I'm going to piss in. So when you're doing that, you're always kind of wondering, am I using the right one? Is someone going to come in and be like, oh my God, that man's pissing in the sink. So, but Kevin Chamberlain was already in there when I went in and he had selected the ones on the right. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go piss in this thing next to Kevin Chamberlain. And it's always awkward. So Kevin Chamberlain, welcome to the ranks of my celebrity awkward urinal encounters. You're joining the ranks of Kane Hodder 
and Doug Bradley and Martin Short and Alan Thicke and, oh, that guy who played Shane on The Walking Dead, whose name I don't remember. Anyway, there's a lot. You're in good company, but you're the only one with a Tony. Well, you didn't get a Tony. You got nominated for a Tony. So, oh, well, maybe next time. Maybe I'll bring you good luck. Maybe me holding my dick next to you is a charm. What are you talking about? I don't know. I don't know. And if you want to know what I've seen in the movies, horror-wise, I saw 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I know everybody loved it. I thought it was just okay. To be perfectly honest, I was kind of bored. I'm like, this is good. This is a tight character drama. But what does this have to do with Cloverfield? And I am firmly of the opinion. I'm not spoiling anything. I am firmly of the opinion that they bought some movie script and just tacked shit on at the end. Because, man, when you're when it, you're revealed, when the Cloverfield reveal happens and it's a fucking mailbox, I'm like, that is a fucking stretch. Wow, this is happening on Cloverfield Lane. Wow. And it doesn't have anything to do with the original movie for the most part. And I was just kind of unimpressed. Sorry. And I think I've kind of sort of babbled enough. I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice talking about me. But it's fun to talk with you anyway and make a fool of myself. And I'm sick. Okay, so cut me some slack. Okay? I have mystery illness. Okay? So leave me alone. Stop yelling at me. You're not letting me. You know what? If you're yelling at me, I can't hear it anyway. So yell away. Fuck you. I love you. Anyway, we're going to start the show right now. We're going to play a little music, and we're going to talk about The Invitation from 2016. Spoiler free. And you better make sure you use the right fork at this dinner party because someone might just shove it in your fucking eye. It's that kind of a get-together. Went to a garden party Reminisce with my old friend A chance to share old memories Play a song again When I got to the garden party They all knew my name No one recognized me I didn't look the same But it's alright now I learned my lesson well See you can't please everyone So you got to please yourself People came from miles around Everyone was there Yoko brought a walrus There was magic in the air Over in the corner Much to my surprise Mr. Hughes hid in Dylan's shoes Wearing his disguise But all right now learn my lesson well see you can't please everyone so you got to please yourself La, da, da. okay so the first movie that we're going to be talking about is a brand new film that is in limited release in theaters and is available on demand and it's called the invitation and well, you may not want to go to this party, but I'm telling you right now, you don't want to skip this movie. Now, since it's new, this is going to be a spoiler-free review. And plus, this is one of those movies that you can't talk about that much without ruining it. Just rest assured that I'm not going to spoil your viewing experience. I will just make it more better. But first, we're going to take a listen to the trailer. How's this 
thing is so official. Maybe they're overcompensating. It's kind of hard to call everybody up out of the blue after two years. I'm so glad you're here. We've got a lot to talk about. So much to celebrate tonight. Each and every one of us is on a journey. And we feel that it's important to be on that journey with the people you love. Everybody, this is my friend Pruitt. Bars on windows and no. Security. Safer. You've been acting so suspicious of our hospitality. Has he been like this a lot? So agitated. How has he been handling things? He can be self-destructive. I think he's doing the best he can. Something doesn't feel safe here. We don't see you for two years, and then all of a sudden, we get invited to this lavish dinner. Don't tell me that this is normal. What do you think is happening, Will? This beautiful moment is upon us. Tonight is the night our faith is made real. Baby, don't cry. Don't cry, baby. It's just a trailer. I know it was scary, but it's not that scary and it's not real. No, I I I I know that was not anybody crying here. That was part of the trailer. You know what's happening. Okay, so the invitation is a story of this guy named Will, see, and he's kind of haunted by his past. Now, I am not spoiling anything, so I'm not anything I say here is stuff you find out in the first 15 minutes and is always setting up what's to come in the future. Now, him and his new girlfriend, Kira, they got an invitation to go to this lavish, fabulous dinner party where all of these old friends who haven't seen each other in two years are going to be reuniting for the first time. Yay! Reunited, and it feels so good, except it doesn't. From the moment you arrive at this beautiful, glittering party, you know that you've walked into a beautiful, glittering trap. And the game of the movie is trying to figure out what kind of trap did you just walk into? Who said it? And when is it going to snap? And in between, this movie is an exercise in paranoia in the best possible way. Now, well, you know what? What's, what's to be afraid of? It's just a bunch of friends getting together after several years. Actually, you know, in real life, that can be quite terrifying. You know, who's changed? Are we still going to be friends? Can we move on? Are we not going to move on? Is everything going to be the same or is it just different? Well, that's all this, but then there's something else too. Because the thing that makes this weird, okay, Eden, the woman who's hosting the party with her new husband that looks just like Will, they both look like Jesus. It's a whole thing. Anyway, well, it's at Will's old house. You know, it was her house when they were married. So 
he moved out, and now this guy moved in. So now you're also going into kind of your past where something really bad happened. You start to get hints that something very bad ended this marriage, but we're not sure what, except you get little flashes, so we know it involved blood and crying and mental illness. But again, this is all part of the game. But now Eden, who was clearly unstable beforehand, based in these flashbacks, she is beatific, and she is played by Tammy Blanchard, and she is so radiantly gorgeous in this that you know there's got to be something really fucked up about her. Is there? I'm not telling. But, plus her name is Eden. Come on. Come on, Eden. You know something? Nothing. Uh-uh. No. No hippie motherfucker. No. But he's already uncomfortable going there, throwing all these friends. And yeah, okay, so it's all these friends, but then there's one or two extra people who really shouldn't be there. There's two guests that are introduced to the party that don't fit, and they're never really explained. But really, what's there to worry about? It's just old friends getting together. Who cares if there's bars on the window and all the doors are locked? It's just security, right? You know, it's the Hollywood Hills. We're uptight, rich white people. Anything could happen, right? Oh, anything happens and anything does. Because we start to learn that while these two, well, while Eden was recovering from the tragedy that happened that ended this marriage. She went to Mexico for two years, and she joined this little society that has, you know, this kind of think net sort of a thing, you know, a think tank sort of a group thing, and change the way you think and think of like your emotions and controlling them. And it might be a cult, it might not be, and she wants to share it with her friends, just wants to tell her about it. And immediately the party gets really weird really fast. But in, you know, being good friends, everyone's like, yeah, okay, we can let that slide and let that slide. And what's very deft about this screenplay is that you go right with them. You're like, okay, this is normal. This is normal. This game we're playing is completely normal until it's not. And Will is getting more and more paranoid. He's seeing all these things that he doesn't like, which I can't tell you about. Little hints, little glistening moments that maybe you caught off in the corner. Too many whisper conversations between people who shouldn't be talking. Too many people disappearing into rooms. Maybe they shouldn't disappear peer into that sort of a thing but is it all in his head is coming back to this house too much for him well it might be well it's too much but why i'm not saying because the invitation is an incredible beautiful horrifying film because remember how i said you wandered into a trap yeah you're going to wait a really really long time for that trap to spring and it's going to be a crazy chess match while you wait and you think aha now it's going to happen nope nope okay everything's cool okay it's cool everything's fine you get lulled into a sense of security again but then you remember wait a minute this is a movie right this is a movie and they're playing scary music so something bad must have oh my god it's happening and when it happens it's pretty epic like i said this movie is in limited release in theaters right now it's also streaming uh, i got mine on amazon and i'll provide a link in the show notes so that you can watch it on Amazon as well and also throw me a few coins in the process. Now, the cast is really great. What I loved about this cast is that it's a cast of, oh, that guy and oh, her. People that you see in everything, but they're usually not in the lead roles and all of them really get a chance to shine here because this is a great ensemble piece. You really get into everybody's head probably a little too deeply than you want to. And Will is played by Logan Marshall Green, who you might remember from Prometheus and the Devil, and he's wonderful. His face is like a blank palette. You can't read him at all. 
And when he snaps, which he does frequently, it always comes out of nowhere like a snake, like wah, 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 wah. And it's pretty amazing to watch. His girlfriend, whose name I'm about to mangle, I believe it's Emma Yatsi Corinaldi. I'll go with that. She's just the opposite. She's cool. She's hip. She's swinging with all these, not swinging, but she's hanging with all these new people and making friends. And she's, she's the girl you want to hang out with. And like I said, Tammy Blanchard is so beautiful and radiant. And that makes her absolutely terrifying, even though you're not really sure if you're supposed to be scared of her or not. Be scared of all of them. Actually, be scared for all of them. And this is directed by a woman named Karen Kasuma, who apparently has gotten a real shaft from Hollywood. And I'm going to provide uh, an article that I just read on the website and on the Facebook pages for you to check out. She also directed Jennifer's Body and Girl Fight, which is her big thing. And apparently she's, she's not had it easy. And this is her big comeuppance, and I think she does it to the hilt because the tension in this is almost unbearable at points. And what makes it unbearable is that you don't know where it's coming from. Or maybe why you're feeling tense, or if you should be feeling tense. Like, maybe maybe this is nothing. Maybe these two weird people that keep skulking about are just, you know, friends from Mexico. Or maybe not. But then again, like I said, sometimes getting together with friends is the most terrifying thing that you can do. But the most stupid thing you can do is not watch this movie. So go do it right now. I'll wait, because I don't want to talk about the next one. Because since I couldn't talk much about... This film, I said, well, damn it, I'm going to have to do a Scream Queens double feature. So buckle in while I play some appropriate music and we segue into Lost After Dark. Yay. I might be a part of this ripple on water from a lonesome trip, a fallen tree that witnessed me, him alone, him and me. Life itself could not aspire to have someone be so admired I threw creation to my kin with a silence broken by a whispered All of this can be broken, all of this can be broken Hold your devil by his spoken, spin him to the ground I look at him, my country chip Let it up by all his fears But someone brought you close to tears Many trains and many miles Brought you to me on this sunny isle And what of which you wish to speak Have you come here to rescue me? All of this can be broken All of this can be broken Hold your devil by his spoke and spin him to the ground The year was 1984. What are you doing out here? The dance is inside. And these kids... Oh, yes! yes. Give me up! Let us As if... ...were ready to party. They went AWOL. But then, this field trip took a dark turn. We're out of gas. No one lives there. Let's dump. Split up and look around. Must have been a slaughterhouse. This place is so gross. Hey, come on. Is that made from people? I think I heard about this place. You guys heard of the Jones? They were cannibals. to scare kids. 
that? Sound like somebody screaming. Should we go check it out? Okay, yeah, you go. I'm just gonna find my glass. I'll be right behind you. Guys, where's Toby? Oh, God. <laughs> the killer's using Toby as bait. Come on, yeah. go, go! What the hell happened out there? We need to start figuring out a way to get out of here alive. It's okay to be afraid in the dark. Just don't get. We gotta get out of here. Lost after dark, and you thought the '80s were dead. I got lost. After dark, I got stabbed. That's gonna leave a mark. Okay, Lost After Dark is the story of these teenagers in 1984 who skip out of the high school dance, steal a school bus, and go jackassing off across the country to find some girl's cabin by the lake or some bullshit that she's got the keys to it, but... The bus runs out of gas, so they wind up stranded on the side of the road, and when they go looking for help, they find the wrong house. The house occupied by Junior Judd, Slasher, and Cannibal. Okay, now, in order for me to get through this review, which I wasn't going to do, I just wanted to do the invitation, but you can't really talk about that movie for very long. So I said, I can't leave him with a 10-minute show, so we're doing this, too. And so, in order for me to get through it, I've poured myself several alcoholic beverages. Now, I heard a lot of pre-advanced buzz about this, and everyone said it was so great, and it's a great throwback to the 80s, and here's the thing. I think I've said on here before, I found when any movie says it's a Loving throwback to the heyday of 80s slashers or something to that effect. What I get is usually a lazy, boring, derivative, not-so-great slasher story that's actually using bad filmmaking and trying to pass that off as an homage. And that's kind of what we got here. All right. Here's the thing. There's no stakes here. The characters are incredibly dull. Yeah, but it was like that in the 80s. But here's the thing. That was the 80s. That was 30 plus years ago. You can make a throwback movie and have some modern day sensibility to it. Am I right? Am I right? Apparently not because everyone's like, this movie is so great. And I didn't like this movie at all. And here's the thing that annoyed me even more is that I would get really bored and then it would get my attention and my hopes would get up and then they'd be dashed like three minutes later. The gore, I have to say, when they have it, is very good. Had the characters meant anything to me, it might have meant more. It took a couple of risks, which didn't pay off, as in the most interesting characters die first. Um... Which unfortunately leaves you nobody to root for later on. It's all the cardboard ones that you didn't get to know mulling around at the end. And who gives a shit at that point? Who gives a shit? I don't give a shit. As 
Oh, I wish I had written down who said this on the Scream Queens fan page, but somebody said everybody in this movie deserved to die except the dog. And that is true. There is a dog in this. And, of course, the dog dies because the dog always dies. But that's not the point right now. The point is, if you're going to do a movie in the 80s, have somebody maybe involved who actually lived through the 80s and can say that was a thing, that was not a thing, or maybe double-check to make sure that everything is right or at least on target, because this shit's all over the place. Bitch, in your trailer, you have a girl saying, as F, like Alicia Silverstone, and Clueless did not come out until the early 90s, okay? So either this girl was psychic, or some kind of trendsetter, or this movie is some old bullshit. And sure, you could dress the characters up in 80s clothes, which they do really well here, and have them say 80s things, but it just wasn't any fun. The thing about 80s horror movies was that, that they were fun, and this is just kind of a boring slog. The killer himself has no personality or not very memorable, and while the kills are imaginative, some of them are very gory, some of them, I just didn't care. I need to care. And as whoever whoever was on the page, I'm sorry, whoever you are, pointed out, the only one I cared about was the damn dog. And the dog spends the whole movie in a purse except for his final scene. And even then, okay, here's the thing. This is bad script writing. If, 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 if it seemed incapable, these kids seemed incapable of remaining quiet for their own safety. There's a scene where two kids are hiding in a, an abandoned car with the dog trying to stay quiet, and they can't shut the fuck up. And they're talking at full level, and they're like, you gotta be quiet, because the guy's gonna hear us. And the dog starts whimpering and crying, and everyone's like, oh, you gotta shut that dog up, the dog's gonna give us the way. I'm like, you gotta shut the fuck up, the dog is fine. I'm sure if you would stop yelling, the dog would be fine, God damn it. It's all your fault. Okay, there are some things that did work for me. Robert Patrick is a lot of fun. Uh, from the Terminator, Terminator 2, I should say. He plays the high school principal who's also a Vietnam vet who, and a disco maniac, which I appreciated. Like I said, the clothes are dead on, but, you know, big deal. You can wear costumes and you pick them out. Great. But what impressed me the most was the bullshit pop songs that the kids were listening to. They had several of them in several different genres, and every one of them was dead on the money. I said, that is 1984, except for a rap song, which was a little hardcore, for the time being. Rap didn't, I mean, I, not that I listened to most rap of the time, but the stuff that crossed over into Top 40 seemed to be very nice. All the raps just like this, you see, and all the runs went like this, then do 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 You know, it was that thing. It wasn't really mean, gangsta-ass rap, except maybe there was. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Write me, yell at me. But it didn't fit. Some of the slang didn't fit. And every time that happened, bang, I'm right out of the movie. And here's the thing. Filmmakers... Naming your horror movie characters after horror movie directors, actors, actresses, char other characters, it's not clever anymore. It was never that clever. They, okay, they did it in Night of the Creeps, and that was, what, 1986? So if you think you're being cutting edge, you're not. And this movie actually has the gall to put in a missing reel thing. At one of the more actually generally tense moments of the movie, there's missing reel bullshit, and we don't find out what happens. Okay, it pissed me off in Grindhouse. 
both sections of Grindhouse. Because you notice both times that the the real went missing in Grindhouse was when there was some sex about to happen or some nudity or some grinding or something. You know, I know I'm gay and everything, but I appreciate my TNA. Thank you very much. And, of course, this movie has no nudity, so it doesn't have, feel fully 80s. There are some nice scenes. There's a, a, a heavier guy who smokes an inordinate, 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 keep drinking, Patrick. Hold on. Sip. Drink. Mm-hmm. Ah, how refreshing. Who smokes an incredible amount of weed yet never shows any signs of getting stoned. You know, I, I know the thing that drives me crazy movie, but he has some nice scenes walking along the road with the girl of his dreams who doesn't notice him. They have some nice, genuine conversation. But, of course, he's the first one down. Spoiler. Sorry. It's in the trailer. So I'm not ruining anything there. It's just a big disappointment, and I couldn't really wait for it to be over. And here's the thing. After it was over, after the movie climaxed, it went on for a good six or seven minutes before giving you the blah ending you knew you were going to get anyway. Blah, it's not over. Yeah, we know. Why did we go on for six or seven minutes? Don't pad my, don't pad me. Don't pad out my movie with your bullshit when you can't even show me a titty or, or a man butt cheek or anything. And here's another beef I have with the, I find it happens more in these flashback movies more than anything else. And I don't know if you think you're actually trying to generate the feel of what went on in an 80s movie, but like, there are people who are about to die, like, and they're just like, eh, no. No, could not be, you know, seem to be more irritated by the fact that they're being killed than genuinely frightened or in pain. Now, the thing I know about my 80s movies was normally those actors, even though they were bad, you would never see them again in every anything, ever. So it was kind of like they were being killed for real. And often, there was some gravitas to it. Even when it was bad. This, eh. Gory set piece, nobody cares. And let's move on to another scene with two people being really loud when they're trying to be quiet. There's so much of this. Girl, you want to survive the night? you got to shut your bitch mouth. And that goes for the boy who's being a bitch mouth too. Everybody, just shut up. And cannibalism. Adding cannibalism was just, I don't know, didn't really add or detract anything. It was not necessary. I don't need my dead bodies to be eaten. Just carve these kids up like a normal person. Come on now. Come on. But yeah, I found this movie to be an incredible disappointment. I'd heard so much about it. And it just let me down. And then I got really picky because I'm like, technically they didn't get lost after dark. They broke down. They knew exactly where they were on the road. And they just backtracked. So technically they knew where they were the whole time. But you know, whatever, 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 whatever. Why are you wandering in there on the house when you're looking for a gas can? You're looking for gas and you're upstairs in the attic. What are you doing? What are you doing? Everyone's behaving stupid because it's an 80s movie. No. But it's not the 80s anymore. You can get away with that shit in 1984. But guess what? Nice person. It is not 1984 anymore. And thank God. Because I might be wearing a prairie skirt right now. Those were popular around 1984. And girls, man, that was some stuff you didn't know. No, you did not need to live through that. No, everyone talks about parachute pants and stuff like that. No, prairie dresses were the abomination. A fashion of the 80s. Why do people want to look like Nellie Olsen? Well, I want to look like Nellie Olsen. But that's not the point. Why do you want to look like Laura Ingalls? Nobody wants to be Laura Ingalls. Nobody. If you want to be Laura Ingalls and you got a problem with that, I will wrestle you to the ground. Okay? 
Okay. So off step to dark, I think you can absolutely skip it. If it comes on Netflix or someplace where you can stream it for free, by all means, give it a watch. You like it? Write back. Call me. Yell at me. Do whatever you can. You do not need to be writing this for $2.99 from Amazon. Save your $2.99. Go buy something important like, I don't know, a shot for me at happy hour. How about that? Let's do that. Forget Lost Death and Dark. Let's get drunk before lunch. I don't have any voicemail this week despite the fact that I begged and I cried for it on the various social medias I do have some messages that I got via email and through the Facebook groups now I also have realized that I did not get any voicemails because on the last episode I gave out the wrong number I gave out the old number and also that possibly the new number might not work anymore because it was in disuse for so long and I'm working on that. But fortunately, we still have these old traditional methods of communication for you to get in touch with me. So the first message comes from the one and only Toppy Smelly from the Smellcast and also from Life on the Shitlist podcast. And he says, oh, my God, Patrick, I have tried to call your Scream Queen listener line and it keeps saying the line is not available. Oh, the humanity. And that's because, as I said earlier, he was calling the one that's on the website, which is also wrong. I'm all fucked up. I am all fucked up, and I'm also being molested by Smoochie right now, who wants something. I'm going to hit pause and see what Miss Thing wants. There, I took care of it so very quickly because I am a professional, and 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 cats just do whatever I say, except she's not doing whatever I say. I don't know what the hell she wants. But So for the re- remainder of this particular email, I am going to be doing double duty. I'll be reading Toby's email while playing with a cat toy with Miss Smoochie because this is what you have to do when you are a professional like myself. Okay, so later, in a, in a later message, Toppy says, In the meantime, dude, you and I, we must meet up and discuss one of the all-time worst, best TV movies ever made. Fred McMurray starring in Beyond the Bermuda Triangle. It is probably Murray's best performance, this side of Irwin Allen's The Swarm, and you know how good that is. It's it's not. It's really not. But listen, we have to discuss this exceptional TV movie sometime soon, and it is available to watch on YouTube. Get back to me when you can. Jackpat. Jackpat? Okay, I'm going to assume that's some autocorrect bullshit. Well, you can jackpat if you want to, and don't you ever call me Pat. Pat is a little square of butter. It's what you do with dog's head. How dare you, Toppy? But yes, that sounds fabulous, and thank you for bringing that up, because if you're new to the show, one of my favorite occasional segments is when, is, is when I go back and talk about these made-for-TV movies from the 70s, which were the joy of our existence back in the day, and watching them now, you're just like, I can't believe shit stopped when this crap was on, and that I was allowed to watch it with my family. Crazy shit going on in primetime, but are we talking about that now? No, we're not, but Toppy, you're on. 
possibly in July. That might be our selection for July. It seems like a perfect time to go to Bermuda. It'll be hot and nobody will be there. Thank you for writing in, Toppy Smelly. And everybody, go listen to his shows. Do that after you finish with this one, not now. Now, I also got a message from listener Martin, and he left me something in the Scream Queens Horror Podcast official page, which you can find by doing a search for Scream Queens Horror Podcast on the Facebook. And he says, Dear Patrick, I would like to say that I'm a longtime listener and I really appreciate the show. Well, I really appreciate you listening, Martin. I also wonder if you could possibly cover The Dark Secret of Harvest Home as part of your made-for-TV series. Again, with the made-for-TV movies. See, people love them. Harvest Home would be perfect because it isn't on DVD and it stars Betty Davis. And I also think of you as my good luck horror host because I always seem to find DVDs of movies you've covered at garage sales. So thanks again and keep those episodes coming. Well, I am the queen of garage sales among many other things. Anyone who's having garage sale, I have to tell them what to buy, particularly when it comes to shitty DVD movies. I got nothing. I got nothing. And I would love to cover Harvest Home because I never saw it. For some reason, that one I was not allowed to watch. So it must be really good because I was allowed to watch everything. And these these movies, I mean, y- you got to understand, made-for-TV movies were on in prime time. Everybody watched them. And you could w- see Linda Blair being raped by a toilet plunger like right after The Muppet Show. And it was just like that. And yes, well, let's see. Harvest Home seems like a good time for fall. So maybe in September or October, Martin, you got a date. You, me, Betty Davis. Oh, my God. What will I wear? And finally, we got an email, a traditional email from Juliet in the UK, and she actually wrote in to talk about the invitation. How timely. Okay. Hi, Patrick. So glad to hear that you're back podcasting again. No, I won't do that. I won't do that. I'm very glad to be back podcasting again as well. You might remember that you read a Facebook message from me on the show two years ago. I had done some research about what a seasoning house was. Yes, after I covered the movie The Seasoning House and had no idea what it was, and you explained it for me. So thank you. You educated me. Since then, my boyfriend Bobby and I have moved from Scotland to England, Nottingham, for my work. We've been here for 10 months, and while we miss our our Scottish families, uh, let's try that again, and while we miss our, miss, miss, while we miss our Scottish families and friends, (laughs) <laughs> we found that the Mayhem Horror Film Festival that takes place in Nottingham each October. No, try that again. I am all fucked up because I'm trying to play with a cat and talk at the same time. I guess I'm not as skilled as I thought I was. Let's try this again. We miss our Scottish friends and family, but we found the Mayhem Horror Film Festival that takes place in Nottingham each October and attended that allowing us to connect with some English horror fans. It was an amazing festival, including a one-off live performance of an unfilmed Hammer script called The Unquenchable Thirst of Dracula, and that was very special. That sounds very special. That sounds amazing. Ooh. Now she gets into the invitation. The invitation was the closing film of the festival, and I quite enjoy it, although I did think that there were stronger films, such as the amazing Nina Forever. Have you seen it? No, I have not, and I have not heard of it. I'll start looking for it right after I finish this show. I thought that the invitation was effective at slowly building suspense, and it involved good characterization, although I felt pretty clear from the start that there was something deeply wrong with the invitation group. Yeah, uh uh-huh, there sure was. I like that bit at the end with the... Okay, I'm not saying that part. Spoiler. And the closing scene did stick with me after I left the cinema. 
However, I think quite a lot of the tension was lost in the final act, and it became like a poorer version of your next. Okay. I think it would have been better if it had stayed a bit more low-key and focused more on being a meditation on grief, loss, and the ways in which people try to cope with tragic events in their lives. That said, I think it does something far more interesting with the cult subgenre than a film like The Sacrament. Okay, a little bit of a spoiler. It does involve a cult. You learn really quickly that the reason that Eden and her new husband have been missing for two years is because they left to go to Mexico to join a cult sort of think group thing to talk about, uh, to deal with their grief about the event that happened that I'm not telling you. Okay, back to her email. We tend to think of cults as these remote groups in strange communes far away from us. So I think the idea of them involving normal people, quote, like us, living in nice homes in suburbia, or billion-dollar homes in the Hollywood Hills, as the movie would have it, makes the prospect much more creepy and perhaps more accessible to an audience. Anyway, looking forward to hearing your views. Hope you're doing well. You already heard my views, Juliet. But thank you for writing in. Yeah, thank, oh, that sounds amazing. I'm glad you're, you're finding scary people in your new home. And if I'm not mistaken, you're the friend who went to see Dandy Darkly. Yes? Not that you can answer me, but yes, I think that was you and Seasoning House. And yes, I do remember your email because you did educate me, and that doesn't happen very often. Normally, I'm the one who knows everything, but you, you schooled me, girl. And that hammer thing sounds really cool. I want details about that even though you sent me a link and I could look at it right now, but I'm talking to you right now and I'm not going to read an article while I'm talking to you because that would be rude, Juliet. I may be American, but I have some manners, God damn it. And I think that's a very interesting idea. We do think of cults as being very, very far away. And actually, I used to work at a travel agency. Uh, uh, No, it wasn't an agency. It was a travel company. Not the point right now. But there was some group that everybody started getting involved in it was some self-help group and it started to spread and it was a cult and eventually they had to fire everybody who was involved with it because it was starting to interfere with work and they were breaking all kinds of rules about personal boundaries and things like that because they're basically threatening everybody at the job to join with them and it was pretty scary and fucked up and normally, that's the way I like my movies, but that's not the way I like my life. No, sir. So I think that's going to about wrap it up for this show. Now, if you want to be like all these cool people who contacted me, you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com. You can go to Facebook and do a search on Scream Queens Horror Podcast. Or if you want to be on the private page, which is a bit more social, a bit more you guys sharing stuff amongst yourselves, do a search on Screamers. And of course, that's with a Z. You can follow me on Twitter at Scream Queens. You can go over to iTunes and write a review. That would be really, really helpful. And also, regarding the Facebook group, I am very close to getting my 500th like. If you have not joined the group and liked the page already, if you happen to push me over the edge, <laughs> <laughs> I got sexy in my own head. If you get me over that 500 mark, I have a very special prize that I will mail to you. I'm not telling you what it is, but it's pretty cool. You know, you want it. You know you want it. Of course you want it. And I think that's about it for now. So coming up in the future, I have two very special guests lined up. I have a world-famous actress, Elena Acker, and world-famous author, Rob, uh, Rob Zombie? Rob Zombie? Yes, Rob Zombie is going to be on the show. Sorry, Robert, our best, who wrote a zombie trilogy. <laughs> the World Memorial Trilogy. That's how I got to Rob Zombie. Okay. 
Yes, they're coming on. They're going to be talking about... Uh, they're coming back to talk about more slumber party horror. We're going to be talking about a movie called The Slashening, which is streaming on Amazon. And if you have Prime, you can watch that for free and play along at home. And also, I just realized that coming up on the calendar is another Friday the 13th. Friday, May 13th. And you know what that means. That means we're going to have another installment of the Friday the 13th Spectacular and Chronologically... I am up to Freddy versus Jason. So that should be interesting. It's always interesting. So I think that's about it. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, the Scream Queen, number one rule, when you're trying to close a podcast and you're being attacked by a cat who wants attention... There's really no point in making a point, so let's just say goodnight, everybody. Love you. Say goodnight, Smoochie. Okay, don't. Fine. Be that way. (laughs) Cats. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>